Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the people that are taking time out of their schedule to worship you. And Lord, that's what we want to do today in everything we do in song and in word and in communion and in fellowship. Uh, we just want to spend time with you, Lord, because you're the one who has the deepest love for us. Let us not forget that. Lord, we ask you to be our teacher today. Use my lips to speak your words. In Jesus we pray, amen. So we are in week four of a seven-week-long series, and it's called Follow Me. And what we're doing is taking seven weeks to talk about how Jesus said, follow me to his disciples, and we're going to learn about how do men and women become disciples of Jesus. And this week, we get to talk about the Holy Spirit, God's power and presence. And I know for some of you, because we have all different backgrounds in here, is as soon as I say the word Holy Spirit, there's different reactions. Some of you are kind of hunkering down a little bit and going, oh, no, it's going to get weird. Uh, I promise you it's not. Uh, others, you, others say, Holy Spirit, good, I want to know more about the Holy Spirit because I, I feel like I don't know very much about the Holy Spirit. And then even others are just confused, saying, wait a minute, this series is about Jesus and following Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit have to do with following Jesus? Well, the topic of the Holy Spirit, if you've read the Bible through cover to cover, you know the Holy Spirit's all over the place, and it's a gigantic topic. And if we were going to literally cover the Holy Spirit cover to cover, it would take us over a year of Sundays. And we're not going to do that. We're just going to spend one day today. So in that regard, we have to focus in on just one question. So here's the question we're going to focus in on today. What does the Holy Spirit have to do with following Jesus? Simple question on the surface. We'll talk about it uh, over the the next few minutes. But that's the question for today. What does the Holy Spirit have to do with following Jesus? And, and what we've been doing week to week is talking about relationship, growth, and change as we follow Jesus. So that question, if we just go one layer deeper, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with relationship, growth, and change? What's his role? How does the Holy Spirit help make disciples? How does the Holy Spirit help us go and make disciples as Jesus commanded in the end of chapter, uh, end of Matthew? Well, as I said, we're going to start in John 15, and we're just going to look at two verses to get started, and it's the very last two verses, John 15, 26, and 27. So you could turn there, or they'll be on the screen. And the context of this passage is Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples. It's a small group where he's talking here, and that's important. Some of the passages we talk about today are just to the 12, and some are to big crowds. But this one's just to a small group of 12 disciples. And this is the words of Jesus. Right? If you want to know what the Holy Spirit has to do with following Jesus, let's go look at the words of Jesus and see, and see if we can come up with an answer. So let's read these two verses. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father the spirit of truth who comes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So here's what I thought we would do today, since we have just one day on the Holy Spirit, and in honor of back to school season, many of you have already started school, and some of you start this week, like tomorrow, right? Yeah. Um, and we're in back to school season, so we have... The classic five W's, the who, what, where, 
uh, who, what are the five W's? Who, what, where, when, thank you, and why? I just wanted, that was a test. No, it was me tripping up. <laughs> so we're going to start with who. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, in Jose's book that we talked about, and by the way, there's free ones to get, and you need to get this book. It's really short. It's really good. Uh, these, these seven weeks kind of loosely follow it. We, uh, chapter four is the Holy Spirit. That's why we're on the Holy Spirit today. I'm going to quote out of the book and, and answer this question of who, who is the Holy Spirit, because Jose answers it directly right at the beginning of chapter four. This is what he says. Who is the Holy Spirit? God. God is revealed to us in Scripture as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And here's some important stuff that he says. The Holy Spirit isn't a feeling or an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. That's foundational. And then in the book, Jose goes on to talk about five things the Holy Spirit does. And I'm not going to talk about those today. So if you want to know about the five things the Holy Spirit does from Jose's book, you need to go get the book. And they're in the lobby and they're free. And we have a bunch left. And I must say, since Jose comes up here and teaches most of the time and his name's on the book, it's a little bit awkward for him to pump his own book. But my name's not on the book. It's not anywhere in the book. So I could really pump this book. It's free. Why not get it? It's short. I think it's 66 pages or something like that. And what the idea is, is before next week, go read chapter 5. And then when you come, you'll be more prepared for the message. You'll even get more out of the message. So how many people don't have the book? And how many people are going to go get the book? Yes. All right. That's what I want to hear. So I'm pumping the book big time, but it's good. Please, please go get it. So in this passage, when the advocate comes, I want you to... Notice a couple things. Notice that the word advocate is capitalized as the word spirit is capitalized. So that's our clue that Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is God. And some of your translation, excuse me, some of your translations say helper. And it's also capitalized, capital H, instead of advocate. Well, if you take a little bit of time and go uh, go get a, a Greek uh, Dictionary and look up what the word, what it really means that's translated advocate, helper, and other things. Uh, what it really means is this. One who appears on another's behalf. One who appears on another's behalf. So here's the summary of who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. But this is key. In this passage, we, we find that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. You might ask, well, help us do what? Well, a lot of things, but he starts with helping us follow Jesus. See, in this passage, it also says that the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus and that we should testify about Jesus. What's going on with that? What, what the gospel writer is saying is the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. He's saying the Holy Spirit shines a spotlight on Jesus. That's a big role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always pointing to Jesus, shining a spotlight on Jesus. And when we testify about Jesus, when we tell people about the Savior of the world, that's what we should do. Just shine a spotlight on him. You don't have to get all theological and deep, whatever. Just this is Jesus. This is who he is and this is what he did. Now, I want to be super open, transparent, candid, all of that today. Because many of us, including myself, either struggle with the Holy Spirit, 
the concept of or uh, have struggled with the Holy Spirit because it's a little bit more difficult in understanding God the Father because we could identify with the Father figure. And God the Son, we could identify with the Son and definitely identify with Jesus because he became flesh like us. But the Holy Spirit, we can't see him. Uh, he's the wind. He, we can see the effect of the wind, but we can't actually see the wind. So we struggle a little bit with the concept of the Holy Spirit. And we struggle with accepting his help because we don't have this deep relationship with him. And depending on your church background, what type of church you grew up in, you're either really comfortable talking about the Holy Spirit or you're not because your church never really talked about him. They didn't deny him. They just, okay, the Holy Spirit, we're not sure what to do with the Holy Spirit. So here, here's a really silly illustration. Let's say the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are going to go to lunch. They're three persons, so they're going to go to lunch. They probably own a Camry together. Uh, now, by the way, after the first gathering, I said this, and a, a guy literally comes up to me, and he puts his arm around me, and he says, brother, I love you, but the Apostle Paul said, I went, oh, no, what did I say wrong? He said, the Apostle Paul said that we're all of one accord. So it's, and I'm like, oh, man, that is so bad. So maybe it's not a Camry. Maybe it's an accord. I don't know. But, but my question today is, who drives? Well, dad probably drives, right? Because doesn't dad usually drive? And, and where does Jesus sit? Well, that's an easy one because the Bible says Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, right? So Jesus is riding shotgun. Where's the Holy Spirit sit? Where's, where's the last seat for him? It's the back seat, right? The Holy Spirit gets stuck in the back. And it's silly, I know, but with my journey with Jesus, there was a point in my life I had to get the Holy Spirit out of the back seat. Because the church I grew up in and the churches I went to for the first 10 or 15 years of following Jesus pretty much never talked about the Holy Spirit. He was literally in the back seat and he was kind of this unmentioned person of God. So today we want to kind of fix that. Now, uh, the Camry or Accord illustration, as silly it is, um, here's a more eloquent, eloquent way to say it. This is from Christopher Wright, who has a book called Knowing the Holy Spirit Through the Old Testament. Fascinating and easy read, I'll add. You should get it if you're interested in that. He writes this much more eloquently. This is, this is what he says. He says, perhaps the Holy Spirit will no longer be the neglected person of the Trinity that we've allowed him to be before. And that's our main goal today. We don't want to neglect the Holy Spirit. We want to accept the help of the Holy Spirit so that we can follow Jesus better. So that's who. Let's move on to the next W. What? What? What is the Holy Spirit? Well, simply put, he's the power and presence of God. I think as you read through the New Testament, uh, you see the Disciples get confused on occasion. And I think one of the most confusing times for, for the disciples is when Jesus said he would never leave them. And then he leaves. I mean, that, that had to be confusing, right? I am never going to leave you. And then he leaves. So what do we do with that? How do we figure that? What Jesus was saying is that he's going to leave them physically but not relationally. And that, that's a huge, huge difference. Because Jesus does leave Physically. We'll get to that in a second. But the presence of Jesus, the relationship of Jesus, is still with us. He never leaves us relation, relationally. And how does he do that? Through the Holy Spirit. 
That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. So if somebody asks you a question, how can Jesus leave us yet be with us? The answer is the Holy Spirit. That's how that works. Remember that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would continually testify about him? Even now today, the Holy Spirit is testifying about Jesus. I want to uh, ask you to remember the scene in Acts chapter 1. You don't need to turn there. But you've probably heard this because where we are in the story of the gospel accounts is Jesus had risen. And the, the disciples in Acts chapter 1 asked Jesus this pretty, pretty deep question. They say, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And what they're really asking is, are you going to restore the kingdom of God to Israel? And what they're really, really asking him is, are you going to wipe out the Roman army and get these guys out of here? Because we're tired of being occupied by the Roman army. You're the king. You're the king of the kingdom. When are you going to get rid of these guys and fully usher in your kingdom, the kingdom that the Old Testament prophets had written about? And Jesus answered him something pretty, pretty interesting. He says, it's not for you to know. You don't get to know that. And then he says this to him in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, should be up on the screen for you. Jesus says, the last words, by the way, that Jesus ever speaks to the disciples are this. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. What Jesus is saying is, you will receive the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power, and the Holy Spirit is going to come, the presence. We're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. And as I said, these are the very last words Jesus ever said. Because right after this, Luke says that Jesus is taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So he's out of there. He's gone. But right before he leaves, he says, I give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and give you power, and he's going to be in my presence. So the third W is where? This one's a little challenging. It takes a little bit of thinking, so hang with me. But where is the Holy Spirit? Well, in one sense, the Holy Spirit is everywhere because the Holy Spirit's God. And God is everywhere, so the Holy Spirit is everywhere. But in another sense, if you're, this is conditional, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives with you and in you, with you and in you. If you're in John chapter 15, you could skip back a chapter, John chapter 14, if you want, to verses 16 and 17. And by the way, if you want to read more about the Holy Spirit, one of the best places in the Gospels is John 14, 15, and 16, which we're, we're going to jump around a little bit today. But this is what Jesus, again, speaking to his disciples again, says in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. He says, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. You see, the, the people not following Jesus, they don't accept the Holy Spirit. They reject Jesus and therefore they also reject the Holy Spirit. They don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But when we say yes to following Jesus, when we say yes, by faith, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, we get this incredible, insane, off-the-charts gift, and it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit literally 
indwells us. He takes up residence in our heart and soul. He literally lives with us and in us. And that is truly part of the good news of the Gospels. Now, we've been moving pretty fast. I'm going to review real quick. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's a person. He's a God. He is God. <clears throat> Sorry, not a God. He, he is God. He's a person. He is God. What is the Holy Spirit? He's the power and presence of God. Where is the Holy Spirit? He's with us and in us. Well, what about the next W, the when? When did the Holy Spirit first show up in the Bible? This is kind of interesting because you get all the way to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. That's when the Holy Spirit first shows up. Because verse 1 says God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2 says the earth was formless and empty and the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. So right there in verse 2, the Holy Spirit shows up. And this shouldn't be a surprise to us, right? God was there in the beginning. Jesus, we find out later in the Bible that he was there in the beginning. And the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. Makes sense. One God, three persons, they're all there in the beginning. And then throughout the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit come and go. And, and the way the Holy Spirit operates in the Old Testament is a little different than the way he operates now. And that's one of the reasons you should go get that book if you're interested in it. But the Holy Spirit comes on people and the parts on people. But throughout the Old Testament, we get promises of a special day. And, and we now call that day Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. And the prophets talked about this day coming in many, many different places. So it's all over the Old Testament. And they usually use this term, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on you. And it'll be poured out for all. It'll be, he'll be available to all people. This is part of the good news of the gospel. And you know, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we live after the resurrection of Jesus. It'd be more complicated before looking forward to it. I'm really happy we live after Jesus is risen. We have all this evidence. And I'm also really happy we live after Pentecost because now we have the Holy Spirit with us and in us as soon as we say yes. And I'm going to ask you today, don't miss the bigness of this news, the bigness of the gospel. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's okay when we're teaching Sunday school to little kids to say, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And because of that, you're forgiven. That is the good news. But it's not all the good news because that doesn't talk anything about the resurrection, right? The cross, without the resurrection, you're missing part of the good news. So it's the cross is the good news and the resurrection is good news. And don't stop there either because that's throwing the Holy Spirit in the back seat. Not only did Jesus rise, but he said, he promised us, I'm going to send you another one. And he actually said it's better that he leaves because then the helper will come. So Pentecost. So the gospel's bigger and better and broader and more powerful than we probably give the credit for. So the good news, the pinnacle, the climax of the story of the Bible is the cross, resurrection, and Pentecost. And I don't know why the big C capital church doesn't talk about that as much. I just don't know why, but maybe someday I'll figure that out. But that's the huge piece of the gospel. Now let's let Peter answer the win question for us. Let's turn back to the scriptures. Because on the day of Pentecost, he actually preached a sermon after the Holy Spirit came. And the people asked him this really great question. What do we do now? Don't you love that? I mean, the Holy Spirit comes, Peter preaches a sermon, and they go, what do we do now? Well, Acts chapter 2 verse 38 records Peter's answer to the what do we do now question. So this is what Peter says. 
And this is to the whole crowd that was there. Some were following Jesus, some weren't. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot in that one, one verse, right? How do you become a follower, a true follower of Jesus? How do you become an obedient follower of Jesus? Repent. You're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because he's the one that died for us. He's the one that took our sin penalty. Your sins will be forgiven. And then Jesus is going to give this insanely cool gift called the Holy Spirit. So when do we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? When we turn to Jesus and follow him. That's when we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the last W is why. Why? And this is the big one, isn't it? You know, why the Holy Spirit? Why can't I just follow Jesus and forget about all this Holy Spirit stuff? Because it's a little bit mystical for me and it's a little bit hard to understand. And, you know, why is this? Well, it's like we've been saying all along. It's because of relationship growth and change. See, you and I, we need help. At least I know I need help. You guys could decide if you need help. I need help. I need help following Jesus. I need the power and presence of God in my life because I constantly don't know exactly what to do like the folks listening to Peter. Let's return to our silly illustration. I guess we're in an accord now instead of a Camry. But, uh, uh, but the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and go to lunch. Here's the key. Here's the key switch to that illustration. And it's because it's about relationship. When the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit decide to go to lunch, uh, here, here's what's different. They want you to go to lunch with them. They want me to go to lunch with them. This is the mind-boggling thing about the Bible. See, the story of the Bible from the beginning to the end is God's plan of salvation and redemption through his people. Does God need to do that? Nope. Does God want to do that? Absolutely. Why? I don't know. But for some reason, the way God wants to work in his kingdom is through his people. So they don't go to lunch on their own. They want you and I to go with them. And here's the really pr profound thing. They toss you the keys and say, you drive. Like, whoa. I'm going to drive the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit around? That's kind of the way the Bible talks about it. We're partnered with him. But here's the question. Where do they sit now? Well, I'm going to guess that the Father, as a position of glory and honor, and Jesus as the king, probably sit in the back seat because you're wishing you didn't have a Camry in a cord. You're wishing you had a stretch limo, right, with a posh back seat and Wi-Fi and refreshments and, you know, the flags on the front like you're driving a dignitary around. Um, because that's what, that's what the king of the universe deserves, right? He needs to be chauffeured around with respect and dignity. But what seat's left for the Holy Spirit? Now the Holy Spirit's up front with you riding shotgun. He's literally with you in the front seat. And they say, where do you want to go to lunch? And you go, uh, where do you take the Father and Son and Spirit to lunch? I mean, wow. And this is, I know it's a silly illustration, but we live our lives like this, right? You get to decide what you're going to do this week. And you could do it with God or without God. So if you're smart and you're in this position, you should do what? You should turn to the right and ask the Holy Spirit, where do you guys want to go to lunch? And the Holy Spirit's probably going to say, well, Porque no, of course. It's the best tacos in Portland, right? 
And I know it's a silly illustration and it's an analogy and it breaks down all over the place. But the point is this, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit want to do life with you. They want to do life with me. They want to work out their plan of redemption and salvation with us. And the Holy Spirit is their power and presence with us and in us. So that's why. And why, why do we need to embrace this good news of the Holy Spirit? Because there's so many times in our lives that we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know how to get there. We don't know who to love. And we don't even know how to love. That's a big one, by the way. Sometimes you know you want to love this person or this people group. And you say, how do we do this? And we need the, whole, the help of the Holy Spirit. And we forget that we have the Holy Spirit as our helper, capital H, helper, as our advocate on our side, just ready. So why the Holy Spirit? For help and relationship, growth and change as we follow Jesus. And with this help, we can go be better disciples and we can go make better disciples with the help of the Holy Spirit. So that's the five W's. And most of you, when you're in school, tagged on another one, right? And what is it? How, it's the H word, how. How does the Holy Spirit help us? And that's kind of a key to get something out of, out of what's going on here. And sometimes you hear that question of how does the Holy Spirit help us? You hear, you hear it asked different ways. Uh, how do I recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit is the way I've been uh, heard it asked before. Or how do I recognize the prompting of the Holy Spirit? And again, I'll be transparent and candid with you guys. This question plagued me for years. Like, how do I recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit? As I will tell you, I've never personally heard an audible voice from the Holy Spirit. Can that happen? I believe it can. Does it happen very often? I don't think so. I've never heard the voice of the Holy Spirit audibly. I've never gotten an email. I've never gotten a text. Not even an Instagram. I mean, I just haven't had that. But I have heard the, quote, voice of the Holy Spirit. And, and my journey with learning this kind of came out of a profound question that a friend of mine asked me about the Holy Spirit. And this is what he asked. He said, Steve, do you think that the Holy Spirit speaks to people before they decide to follow Jesus? And I was perplexed at first because I was so grounded in the facts that we just talked about that the Holy Spirit is with us and in us after we follow Jesus. But what about before? Does the Holy Spirit talk to people? What about before our step if you are a follower of Jesus, what about before you became a follower of Jesus? Did, did, did you get an inner voice, a prompting from the Holy Spirit? Well, fortunately, back to John chapter 16, Jesus answers that question. And this time he's speaking to the large crowd. John chapter 16 and verse 8. And it's going to come up on the screen in the New Living Translation only because it's crystal clear. This is what Jesus, again, Jesus speaking, says about the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So when the Holy Spirit comes, which he has now because we live after, uh, after Pentecost, he's going to convict the world of its sin. And the word in Greek behind that means everybody. The world, everybody, which means follower Jesus and not follower Jesus, 
everybody gets convicted of their sin. And everybody gets convicted that God is the righteous one. And everybody gets some conviction that in the end, on judgment day, evil's going to lose and God is going to win. And here's the key point. All of us have heard that. So here's the light bulb moment. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to figure out what the Holy Spirit's voice sounds like. You just need to remember what the Holy Spirit sounded like when he first spoke to you. Because in a moment in your life, you said, I trust in Jesus, I'm going to follow him. The voice, the prompting that told you that was the Holy Spirit. The conviction that you have a void in, in, your, in your life and it needs to be filled with holiness is from the Holy Spirit. The conviction that that sin was wrong is from the Holy Spirit. The conviction that God is good and righteous is from the Holy Spirit. And what if you're here today and you haven't decided to follow Jesus? Well, you still have those same promptings and voicings from the Holy Spirit. Because before you're a follower of Jesus, you still know wrong is wrong. Everybody does. Romans 1 talks about that. And you still know that God is righteous. And you still know that Evil's going to lose in the end. There's something in all of us because we're made in the image of God. We know that stuff. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. One last quick thing about the Holy Spirit and how he helps us before we move uh, to a time of response. And for me personally, this really helped. And this is more for followers of Jesus. Uh, for me, this was a, a life changer because a very popular story in the Bible is when Jesus was led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted. If you've, if you've heard that story, raise your hand. Just about everybody, right? Yeah, everybody's heard that story. So when I first became a Christian, I read the New American Standard Bible. And that's because I became a Christian in the 70s. Uh, that's another story. Um, but the Matthew account of, of that story says that Jesus was led by the Spirit. The Mark account, the next gospel over, said that the spirit was impelled into the desert. And I remember reading that and go, in the context of what's going on here, I don't understand that. Because to impel means to push or drive or to press forward. Well, that's different than leading, isn't it? So was Jesus led or was he pushed? And I think the answer is both. I could illustrate this best with... Um, uh, thinking about a locomotive, a long train in the Rocky Mountains, if you've ever been to, to, uh, to the Rockies, uh, when a big long train goes up and over the hill, they put a locomotive on the front of the train, and then because it has a lot of weight to pull up winding hills because of the switchbacks, they also put a locomotive on the back of the train because otherwise it'll get pulled off the tracks and it'll derail. So as the train goes up the hill, there's a pull and there's a push to keep the train on the tracks. And I think that's what's happening here is that the Holy Spirit, we're finding out, leads and he pushes. If you have the NIV and you're reading that, which is uh, what I think a lot of us read these days, it actually says in, in the Mark account that the Holy Spirit sent Jesus out. It doesn't say led, it says sent. And then the ESV, if you read the ESV, the English Standard Version, it says the Spirit drove Jesus out. Well, that sounds pretty forceful. That doesn't sound like a gentle leading. That's forceful. That's a driving. Impelled, sent, drove. I hope you're starting to get the perspective here. And the conclusion is this, is I think the Holy Spirit leads us and he sends us. 
The Holy Spirit pulls us and he pushes us. So my question for us today, church, is this. Are we open to both? Are we open to both the leading and the sending, the pushing and the pulling? Are we listening for both? And did you notice where the Holy Spirit took Jesus? The wilderness. That's different than what we want, isn't it? I mean, I want to be led by the Spirit into a great job with a great family and lots of income and, you know, beach house in Hawaii. You know, pick whatever you want, right? But that's often not where the Holy Spirit leads us. Sometimes he leads us into the wilderness. Sometimes he sends us into the wilderness. But here's the encouragement for today. In good times or bad, the Holy Spirit is with you and with me helping us. So how do we respond to the Holy Spirit right now? Well, it kind of depends on where you are in your life. I'm going to share one last thing about a mistake I've made in my life as I've learned to follow the Holy Spirit. See, my old thinking was this. I used to think if, if things were going well, which sometimes they go well, I just thank God and say, God, thank you for blessing me. And if, and if things were generally not going well, it's like stinky lifetime. What's, what do I do? I, I say, God, how do I get back to the good life? I want to get rid of this bad times. I want to get back to the good times. And I've learned to not think that way because I don't think that's what God wants us to do. My new thinking starts the same. If I'm living in the good life and things are going well, I say, God, thank you for blessing me. But now instead, when life turns hard and I get sent into the wilderness, I'm starting to learn to not ask just to get back to the good life. I ask things like this, God, I need the help. Of Jesus, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. Help me recognize your leading and sending. Help me recognize what you're preparing me for. God, where are we going? Where are we going with this? How do I respond in this difficult time? I could explain this best with uh, my current challenge this summer with Vicki and fighting leukemia. I was a bit wrecked when I first found out that news because, as you might Imagine, it's, it's a tough diagnosis. And my early prayer life, as I was praying for Vicki, and that's my habit every morning. I usually wake up before, before she does. She's a way better sleeper, a little jealous. But I wake up first, and before I get out of bed, I just lay my hand on her shoulder or whatever, and I just pray for her. And I just, you know, I just thank God for every day. You know, today's day 68, and she's doing well. And uh, I started the day today saying, God, thank you. For that, even in this wilderness time. But back when she first was diagnosed with, with, with uh, leukemia, I got into this weird place of asking God, what's the result going to be like, God? Because I've met men who lost their wife uh, within 10 months, and I've met men who, their wife, 20 years ago they had leukemia. Like, what is it, God? I want to know. Just tell me how it's going to end, and then I'll know how to prepare, and I'll know what to do, and I'll know how to live. And in my pea brain, I thought I would be able to handle the situation better. But after time after time praying this, I finally got the answer from the Holy Spirit. Again, not an audible voice, but a sincere light bulb moment. And as the Holy Spirit, it was like an audible voice. He says, you don't get to know, you get to trust. And my immediate reaction was, I don't want to trust. <laughs> I want to know. And just like in the Psalms, when, when the psalmist cries out to God, I was crying out to God, really? But now after weeks and days and now even months of having this, I'm finding out that trusting God is a good place 
to live. No matter what you're going through, good or bad, and I can wake up every day trusting God that today's a new day and his mercies are new and I thank him for that. Well, that's my story. What's your story? I'm going to ask the, uh, the guys to come back up uh, for a time of worship in just a second. But, you know, I don't know what your story is. Maybe you've neglected the Holy Spirit and it's time to get him out of the back seat. Uh, maybe you have him in the back of your mind. You want to get him back to the front seat in the front of your mind. And it's, it's time to beef up your relationship, so to speak, with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe this morning you've learned something new about the Holy Spirit, about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit living with you and in you. And it's time to grow in your knowledge of the Holy Spirit and, and change so that you can become more like Jesus. And some of you today, let's just be honest, I mean, some of you just need help. You know who you are. I don't know everybody in here, but you know if you need help. The king of the universe sent a helper for you. So get help. Get help from the Holy Spirit. And of course, get help from the community and help from your friends. But start with the Holy Spirit because he wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you, send you, and prepare you. And one last verse as we leave, I want to quote a passage, uh, one of my favorite scripture passages from John again, chapter 7 this time. And, and the, the setting is the Feast of Tabernacles and Jesus was speaking to a large crowds on the, on the steps of the temple. And this is what John says in chapter 7. He says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, the Festival of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice so that all could hear, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. So as we go to have a time of worship today, the question is this. Are you thirsty? Do you need help? Come to Jesus. He is the one that quenches our thirst. And he does it with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit who lives with us and in us with like, like flowing, living water. Waters, And if you've ever been incredibly thirsty in the desert for hours without a cold glass of water, you know what that tastes like. It's so good. When you're so thirsty and you take that drink of water and you're just like, ah. Oh. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you and me today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for my friends who pray for me and pray for my wife, Vicki. Thank you for them who pray for one another and build up one another. And Lord, we ask you today to solidify uh, your words on our hearts. Help us to remember the things that you have done for us, God. Remember that Jesus came to die for us. He rose again and then sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to live with us and in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name.